0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open today to Genesis chapter 27. This is a chapter filled with unflattering details about the patriarchal family, so much so that the early church really didn't know what to do with this story. By and large, they treated it allegorically. Now, that isn't to say that they denied its historicity. It is just to say that they didn't find it literally very edifying or encouraging. There are are no real good examples in the story. Everyone is lying or deceiving or threatening or defying God's word. So most of the preaching on this passage from the early church dealt in allegory. Some of the interpretations were very far removed from the actual words and common sense meaning of the text. For example, some church fathers taught that Isaac's request for Esau to prepare a meal for him symbolized the call of the word to the first people. Some taught that Esau's garments symbolized the likeness of sinful flesh whereas Jacob's smooth skin symbolized the sinless character of Christ. All of these interpretations have to be considered fanciful, and I cite them only to show how long it took for Christian men and women to wrap their heads around how God could use and bless such obviously flawed and fallen people. That's one of the great mysteries of the Bible, and nowhere is that mystery more obviously on display than in the story we are about to read. In this story, the patriarchal family does everything wrong. Isaac attempts to defy the prophecy. Esau thinks to win back what he had cheaply sold away. Rebecca does the right thing but she does it the wrong way and Jacob is a pawn of his mother and a disrespecter of his father and yet God uses all these flawed people and all of these sinful means to accomplish his perfect will. Everything turns out the way it was always destined by God to do. How does that work exactly? How can God use sinful decisions and actions to accomplish his perfect and saving good? That's a very complicated question, and this is a very complicated story. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Genesis has already told us back in chapter 25, verse 28 that Isaac preferred his son Esau. That was mistake number one. But here now, he he doubles down, and he attempts to give to his favorite son what God said would be given to his other son, to Jacob. God said back in chapter 25 that the blessing would go to the younger son. Genesis 25, 23 says, The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided the one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Now, it is just barely possible that Rebecca never shared this word of prophecy with her husband, but it is not very likely because the Bible says that Rebecca favored Jacob, which wasn't right but it makes it impossible to believe that she didn't share this word of prophecy with her husband. She wanted Jacob, the younger, to receive the blessing. What better way to make that happen than to share this word from the Lord? The most likely explanation here is that she did share it, but Isaac wrote it off as either the confused ramblings of a hysterical woman or as deceit on rebecca's part attempting to get him to give to jacob what he was determined to give to esau so either isaac has a low opinion of his wife or he is simply defying the word of the lord either way this does not reflect well on isaac the story continues in verse 5 now rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, "'I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. "'Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food "'that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord "'before I die. "'Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. "'Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats "'so that I may prepare from them delicious food "'for your father, such as he loves.'" and you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my, my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, bring them to me. Now, I want to read to you a rather long quote from Matthew Henry because it takes us to the heart of the issue with respect to this chapter. He says, If Rebekah, when she heard Isaac promise the blessing to Esau, had gone at his return from hunting to Isaac, and with humility and seriousness, put him in remembrance of that which God had said concerning their sons. If If she further had shown him how Esau had forfeited the blessing, both by selling his birthright and by marrying strange wives, it is probable that Isaac would have prevailed upon knowingly and wittingly to confer the blessing upon Jacob and needed not thus to have been cheated into it. This would have been honorable and laudable and would have looked well in the history, But God left her to herself to take this indirect course that he might have the glory of bringing good out of evil and of serving his own purposes by the sins and follies of men and that we might have the satisfaction of knowing that though there is so much wickedness and deceit in the world, God governs it according to his will, to his praise. So Matthew Henry says, there was a right way to do this, right? Rebecca could have, could have gone to Isaac and reminded him of the word of prophecy that God had spoken. And she surely could have convinced him to do what was right. She could have reminded him of all the stupid things Esau had done to disqualify himself. But instead, he, she chose the way of deceit. And here's what Matthew Henry says, God let her. He, he, he let her make that decision, even though it was to do the wrong thing. Because God knows how to bring good even out of our wrong decisions, right? There we have it. That's the heart of the matter. This is why this chapter is so hard to deal with. Because everyone is doing things the wrong way. And yet God is bringing good out of evil. God is serving his own purposes by the sins and follies of the patriarchal family. God is governing wickedness and deceit according to his will and to his own praise. Now, that is just something you need to understand as a believer. Now, it is very important that we understand that God is never the author of evil. He didn't make Rebecca lie or Isaac defy or Jacob deceive. They all chose to do those things. They acted responsibly. But God is so sovereign and so wise and so all-knowing and all-seeing that he is able to govern those wicked and willful decisions such that his perfect will is accomplished and established in the end. That is one of the most marvelous things we learn about God. It takes a bit of time to get your head around that, but when you get there, it makes you want to shout and sing for joy. Verse 14 says, So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the young goats, She put them on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father, who felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Now, hear the words of that blessing. As much as the church fathers struggled to understand the intricacies of this passage, this part they had no trouble with. The third century church father Hippolytus says here, The words of Isaac have been accomplished in the Savior. He has become Lord and Master of those who are considered to be his brothers by the flesh in order to be adored by them as their king. That is why Isaac says, "'Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you.'" Hippolytus understood that this blessing is carried by Jacob, but it is ultimately realized only in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is where this is going. The the blessing given to Abraham and passed on to Isaac, and here given even deceitfully to Jacob, is ultimately about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul understood that very well. He says in Galatians 3, Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. So Paul says that the promises only applied to Isaac and Jacob and the other physical offsprings in a secondary sense, in a derivative sense. The promises were ultimately intended to land on the one offspring, the person of Jesus Christ. And so they have, and so they are shared. Paul goes on to say, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Galatians 3.29 All the promises of God in the Old Testament ultimately point forward to Jesus Christ and then are shared broadly with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation of the earth through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the big picture story of the Bible. Thanks be to God. Verse 30 says, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me, and I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him? Yes, And he shall be blessed. Here Isaac realizes that his will has been trumped by God's will, right? Yes, he says, and he shall be blessed. Despite my efforts to defy and circumvent the word of the Lord, despite all that we have done wrong here today, God's will has been done. So be it. Verse 34 says, As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. The author of Hebrews says here, You know that afterward, when Esau desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Esau despised his birthright and then thought that he could muscle his way back in through a side door, but he was wrong. He reminds me of the fellow in Pilgrim's Progress who thought he could bypass the wicked gate, hop the wall, and then just talk his way through the gates of the celestial city. He was wrong, and so was Esau. There is only one way into eternal blessings. There is a narrow door, and woe unto those who attempt to go around it. Verse 39 says, Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Derek Kidner says here, So Isaac pronounces over Esau the appropriate destiny of the profane person, the freedom to live unblessed and untamed. Verse 41 says, Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Rebekah is very wise, and she knows how to manipulate her husband. She wants it to be Isaac's idea for Jacob to go to Petam Aram. So she reminds Isaac of how much they dislike the wives of Esau and how unbearable it will be if Jacob is forced to take wives from among the local people. So Isaac sends Jacob back to Abraham's family, just like God told Abraham to do. Rebekah's motives here have nothing to do with obedience and everything to do with protecting her favorite son from the wrath of the son she has deceived. Once again, God is working good out of evil. Despite all the mistakes being made in this passage, despite all the sins, all the lies, and all the manipulation, and all the deception, the will of the Lord is moving forward thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to In of the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And I hope to see you again tomorrow, right here for another episode of In of the Word.